I'm not creating something for y'all to consume. I'm creating something to share. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today I have the entire band Romantica and you may know the members of Romantica. Well, let's just start with the first one. You may know Lou from Last Stop, O, Chip and the Dipshits. <laughs> I didn't think you'd read them out loud. Well, you know, I'm sorry. And now Lou is thoroughly embarrassed but i also have owen from your solo project refractor basement tape project yes sir excellent and then ava from venus overdrive so everybody welcome to the show thank you thank you for having us it's an honor it's a pleasure very excited to be here (laughs) hello today we're going to be listening to tales from neptune off of the self-titled ep romantica So, without further ado, let's listen to the song. Welcome back. So, of course, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? 
Well, it's we sort of we sort of wrote the song in three or four parts, right? Because the first part was um, I was just messing around listening to Slint in my basement, and I was like, I don't need to care what these lyrics are about as long as they're saying a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it can be a story, it can be whatever, as long as it's as long as it's something. So I I had these chords and I had this drum beat and I knew that I kind of wanted to do something silly and I just wrote that story and had that sort of sit around and then I sent it to you folks and initially it was just sort of like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was just sort of like, yeah, this song's pretty good. Good job, Owen. It wasn't something that we thought we could like adapt in its initial format because it was half the tempo. It was very like lo-fi if i remember correctly it was very like spacey and very like very much like yeah this is a guy making like stuff in his basement and he's having a fun time doing it at least when i listen to it i'm like we're we we cannot do it like that we have to like we have to like mess it up a little bit yeah yeah exactly so then we started we we decided hey maybe this is something we can work on but i guess at the same time i was also trying to string together an album to get out before i had to return to school that version was just like this weird funky thing yeah so like we sort of synthesized the weird funkiness and like the slowed down like storytelling a little bit and thought like how can we turn this into a song i think it's pretty accurate to say owen had a refractor song and he brought it into the practice room and ava and i just wrote new parts exactly that's exactly how it went all i brought in is were like these lyrics and these chords and we just did our own thing off of that. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, like we were rehearsing it and we were like, I don't feel like any of the ways that we're doing this are working. Like exactly. we tried a bunch of different things. Yeah. And I think Louie, we were like, let's do it like The Cure. Like, oh, n- yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we had like just met each other like a few weeks ago. And like the week I met these two, I was listening to Leave Me Alone by New Order probably about 12 times a day. Very nice. I was just like alone. We had just moved into the dorms and I was, that's like what I did for two weeks straight. So yeah, Mm. I was very heavily inspired by like Peter Hook and Simon Gallup where I'm like, I had just found a chorus pedal and I, yeah, like gave a set. Mm. I was like, let, mm mm-mm. Mm-mm, new wave now like lou played that like version of the baseline that it kind of starts with and mm. i think there was a moment where, like we all knew like yes yeah it was we, very okay. much that click where it's like there it is yeah there we is. uh we definitely took the the original refractor song and we just made it like twice as fast and twice as loud um, but i think it worked out well was it your idea to incorporate the well, I was going to say flange, but uh, flange and, and chorus are very similar. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. But on the on the bass, I'm assuming that that was the bass that was that creates that flangey kind of yeah. chorusy sound. Um, was that was that your contribution to to the sound? <laughs> that bass tone, I don't use it in Neptune at all, but I do have a fuzz pedal as well that I use. But it's really like that tone is like the tone we decided to use for the entire um, EP because. Mm-hmm. We had just, at the time of recording it, come off of, like, what was it, like, four shows in two weeks or something? Like, we were really tired, um, but very happy to have played so much, and we wanted it to be a live sound. Yeah. So, I just took everything I was using on stage and brought it to the studio. And that's actually a Boss Digital Chorus Ensemble, so that is not meant to be used in a live setting whatsoever. That is a... A box I found from 1984 that my dad had in his basement, and I said it's mine now. Not um, even a huh. rack mount piece, but what you put on top of your rack. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's like wow, it doesn't have any batteries. I have to plug it straight into an outlet. Like you can't put it on the floor because you can't click it on and off. You have to like put it on top of the amp, um, mm. and everyone thinks that's a preamp or like some kind of rack unit. And I'm like, nah, that's just digital box I found. But uh, people actually come up to me a lot after our shows, and they're always like, what, what, what the fuck that? was that? <laughs> Sounds so cool. So is it's actually a digital signal, or is it... Yeah. Okay. It is. It's meant to be used in digital recording and kind of like okay. a setup like you have over here. And it sounds great live. I think Simon Gallup and Robert Smith used very, very similar pedals made by Boss at the same time. I just so happened to find the digital version. Let's talk a little bit about, about how this song came together but mainly in the lyrics 
you kind of wrote these together, the the music and the lyrics together. I'm curious, do you usually think about where you're going to go with it or you want to actually, you, you just kind of want it to happen? I, I asked the worst questions, but... No, um, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So generally, it's like when I come to these two with like a song or something that I'm looking at doing, I just want to come in with what I did or what I'm going to be doing on stage. I only want to influence them with guitar and lyrics and just have them ignore all the other stuff. The process for sort of writing lyrics and knowing where to go, it comes from that recording process that all that stuff's recorded in. It's all done multi-track on a Tascam four-track. Mm. In order to record something like that, you sort of need to have an idea but multiple ideas pop up along the way as you're tracking things. So I came up with the guitar chords and was like, okay, I know I kind of want to write a song, like a slint song. And then I drum this really slow meandering thing. And then after that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I add in some space noises. And then after that, that's when the lyrics start to become spacey. Like, what are sure. these about? I don't even know. After that, then I come in and I'm... I have these lyrics in this guitar, and it's that's all that I have, you know? Oh, okay. You actually brought this tape that was put together with the Tascam, yeah. and then you said that it was the song was sped up, and then how did you incorporate the new, I guess, like the voice of the drums in, in the overall like piece? I, I can't remember exactly what you said, but a, a meander. What what was it that you said about the well, drum part? Well, the but. drum the drum part on the original recording was just like it was nothing. It's basically a metronome with some like splashes okay. in there from the snare, just to like signify like yes, this is a song with drums on it. You can't call it half a song because mm. there are drums. So Ava, how did you create a drum part based on these Tascam recordings? I think kind of what I played on it when we were working out live was more responsive to what we were doing in the room than to the recording. Generally, I, I listen to Owen's like refractory recordings of songs that we do and kind of see what I can take away from them. But ultimately, it was more of a process of thinking about like how will this work live? Like when we take this to a show, how do we make this song something that people want to listen to or dance to or like mosh to? Yeah. And especially with this song, I think with being like, okay, we're going to make this our fast one. We're going to like... Mm-hmm. Hmm. play it very aggressively i was kind of thinking like how do i add to that energy like i think we were hoping we could write a song that would get crowds going you know yes yeah hmm. like we were all of us so excited that like this was like the third song we wrote i think hmm. um and i think we were all like feeling that momentum when we were like okay okay now a loud one N now one we can like like get people moving to because exactly. we we all love going hmm. to shows and like getting in the pit and like you know feeling the music like that and i think we were all feeling that energy of like okay our turn to make one now exactly no that's good in addition to just kind of having i want to call this skeleton the refractor recordings you had kind of a skeleton of of the idea and then neither of you went off and then wrote your own parts it, this this process was like live right oh, oh like this was you, done you like in together. our room sure. yeah right for sure so it's it's this collaborative like play back and forth it's almost um, troubleshooting in a way that's like, how we write how all we make, of our songs how it's do we like, fit this puzzle piece into this puzzle i don't know yeah someone like shows us a picture and then we're all in the same room at the same time trying to like hmm. paint by numbers that's how we write everything i think none of us have ever come to a, a practice or a hangout and be like this is a complete song mm -hmm. i'm gonna teach you how to play it it's like everyone comes with like a draft they have mm -hmm. i think that the most like complete song we had was like party favors but it was just a piano and we had to like sit there and figure out like what do we play now yeah and i don't know any music theory so that was all ava just saying like okay try to pitch match like this chord yeah and i'd be like is this right yeah. and she's like kind of <laughs> it felt yeah. very much like uh well ava made this joke herself where it was like you're in like high school band they're doing like pitch corrections on you where they play a chord and you're like is that an e and they're like try again ava yeah. and i are jazz band graduates i think yeah. we uh, we understand it's interesting to come from different worlds because like me and lou both like did like like our more classically trained you're literally yeah. a lot of jazz in high school and i did jazz and also a lot of like classical music completely like classical untrained percussion. in jazz they just handed me music and <laughs> yeah. they were like figure it out i did not know how to read music in jazz yeah <laughs> i went off of vibes yeah 
That's how jazz rhythm sections are. Just play vibes. <laughs> but I come jazz. from this like very like regimented background of mm-hmm. like here's a note, play it correctly, you know, like marching man and all that. And then yeah. Owen somehow taught himself how to play like every instrument with basically no guidance, like mm. to an insane level of ability. Like I genuinely don't understand who did it because it's like the way you play that. guitar is like guitar is it's like that's just like a direct <clears throat> wires directly plugged from like the intuition part of my brain into a physical form is how that feels mm. but drums is like i gotta figure this out dang it oh okay no you're a good drummer well yeah i, <laughs> I mean i mean a guitar you just need two two hands but yeah you know, drums you gotta add your feet and, yeah that's why i've never been able yeah. to like pick up the drums i'm like i, I can only do two things at once I'm in a Maximum. room full of three better drummers, I think. So. I You've never seen me drum, man. <laughs> I find it fascinating when there's folks that can... I don't know. I've interviewed a few people that it's just like, I don't know what chord... I don't even know what chord it is. I don't know what key it is. I just put my fingers this way and it sounds good. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with that. And then I move it to a different place and I change my fingers and it sounds good here. And it's like, that works. Sometimes I, I wish I could step away from overthinking mm-hmm. all of the... You know, what key is it? What is, you know, what skill is being used? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think they're all very valid ways of approaching mm-hmm. and get, ending up with the same kind of result. But it's just fascinating that we all take different roads to get there. I'm actually going to do my stumble along and do my interpretation of this song. Ooh. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if this is just like, I, I always want to be the first one to like say what it is and then hear that it's completely different so whatever the interpretation because well, sure. and the thing is is that you may not have when writing the lyrics Owen, you may not have had this intention but as you perform it and as you play it and you hear other people play the parts to make the song yeah the interpretation changes you yes. know i i feel like that's the cool thing of like it's constantly growing so i i had this thought you know i i mean there's there's this kind of like dream dreamlike quality about it so that it's it's this idea of meeting this person in a dream and then what exactly is their nature the thing that fascinated me is this idea of okay so you meet this person it's possibly in a dream but then i feel like this piece is telling someone the story of this event or this dream this astral projection you know the first two verses and then the chorus the first chorus are are talking about meeting this person and then finding out exactly what is so special about them and then you kind of have this chor- the chorus two even though you say the exact same thing in the chorus one it's actually you talking rather than the person this mistress that you meet like in chorus two the voice when you say i is actually not the mistress it's the storyteller but I also think the chorus too is you're trying to pass on those special whatever is special. You're becoming whatever that special is. person for mm. someone else. Sure, so I just think sure. that's maybe I'm going back on this idea of maybe it's a relationship too, but that you look back on a relationship and you're like, was it really because that person was special or because they managed to say all the right words? Mm. You know, that's getting heavy. So yeah, no, I mean, uh, I hate to hate to make the astral projection song very heavy because that's usually not the nature of astral projection. But <laughs> we have a we have a really funny running joke that we've never written a happy song, mm-hmm. um, and it it was fundamentally true until like a month ago. That's the joke with this one is that everyone's like dancing to it, everyone's like mm. throwing each other around and we were like guys this one's sad <laughs> yeah very sad i'm just curious what yeah. everybody else kind of thinks of as as like the interpretation of it or or like maybe the intent of it well i'm curious so i'm gonna stay quiet for maybe a little bit i'm curious what you two took out of it and if that's nothing then that's an okay answer i'm just curious see i am a deeply cynical person <laughs> especially with like songs that my friends write i have so many musician like friends and families and I'm a, obviously I'm a songwriter myself, so I'm never like trying to like rip the p- song apart and like figure out exactly what it is. Sure. Because it like just like you said earlier, it's like you create it with an intention, you give it out to everyone else, and they take away what they take away from it. To me, it was always like it is what it is. There's not one right way. The way I always thought of it, I mean, I'm like screaming in the chorus of it. I'm. Yeah. This is like the most aggressive song we play. 
at the time. I guess we've, (laughs) I guess we've replaced that now. For me, it was like, it was angry. You know, someone comes to you with promises and the promises are just that. It's like pretty fancy worlds. I can give you a universe in my pocket, but that's fundamentally untrue. They're just saying it to say it. And I think I'm also taking a little bit of context from like things that have happened to like us at the time. I don't know, you know? For me, it was just like the way I thought of it was a past relationship, a past person you knew. They gave you empty promises and air and like tales from space and now they're not here. I thought it was like an angry song, bitter maybe, cynical perhaps. Hmm. I'm curious what you have, Ava, but I want to say... That is, like, simultaneously much more literal and abstract of an interpretation of uh, what I had in my head, I guess. So now I'm just very curious. I'm, I'm curious. I want to figure this out. What, what do you mean? Figure what out? I, I, I don't know. It's interesting because I never ask people, like, hey, what do you think this song is about? Because it's already enough of a pain in the ass to be, like... To write it. <laughs> to be, like, hey... Uh, I was wondering. Uh, I was wondering if you could give me feedback on this song. I know you're very busy. You know, probably listening to the Cure right now. But uh, I don't want to get in your uh, listening schedule. You know, the fact that people are taking the time to interpret this thing—it's like it's very cool. I don't know. Ava hit me. Well, I think my biggest takeaway from it was kind of the just the storytelling quality. Like almost like the medium is the message of the way that you phrase it. As like. It's not entirely autobiographical. You are telling a story. Yeah. Communicating kind of that folky narrative thing. But I, th- I think I thought like the specific phrasing of this story as a story, as a narrative. It's it's like every folk song where it's like you meet the devil at a crossroads. Exactly. You know, like you're, you're, pl- you're relating your life and your feelings kind of to that world. And I think that just in the way that we played it, it was important to keep that energy of like the verses are the big thing. And yes. Yeah. Like a like, Bob Dylan song. Yeah, like it's like a Bob Dylan song. It's like a John Prine song. Yes. Yeah. And I'm saying that because I'm looking at that John Prine record right now. <laughs> I love that. I'm but, glad yeah, it's like it's, it. that, it's that kind of energy. It's a story. And it can have meaning. But it's also about the words being said and the way that they sound. My takeaway is is definitely more of like, yes, there's some sadness to this. But I, I don't know if I ever interpreted a level of like anger but then again i think i was projecting a little bit with that first interpretation <laughs> i mean maybe my go-to is the is the sad song like mm-hmm. i think about it as like it's more the, the feeling is more sad than it is angry and maybe it's also just like i remembered back of of these ideas of like losing someone that seemed to ha- hold so much promise i don't know it's it's weird like it's that nice kind of sad where you're just like oh I remember how good it was. I really know how shitty it was, but I really like looking back on how I think it was so, you know, wonderful, even though it's a lie, you know? Yes. I, I mean, you know, it's like this weird self, self-soothing self kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's sad, but it's like, I'm going to, like, it's comfortable comfortable to me i don't know a little nostalgic that's yeah. the whole point of the yeah. tape stuff in the basement that exactly right there you summarized it you, yeah it's that's exactly what it is it's all huh. of it <laughs> mm-hmm. i noticed that you mentioned in the liner notes that janelle orcherton oh, yeah. from bonus episode 18 recorded with you how did that come around we all lived in this dorm I don't know if I should say it out loud. Would that be like doxing us? I mean, we don't live there anymore. None of us live there anymore. None of us live there anymore. Blessedly so. We escaped. We made it out. (laughs) We all escaped Allen Hall. (laughs) Rest in peace. We all have deep emotions about Allen Hall because that was just one hell of a place to live. I lived there for two years, so I think I should get like an award. Yeah. Um, They should put your name on the wall. They should. Art or something. They should, you know, memorialize it. It's just like basically run down tiny dorm on u of i campus it's the arts and music dorm everyone there is gay um it's a fantastic place to live and it's also a horrible awful place to live exactly um but i'm getting i'm talking around the problem we recorded in alan hope's basement which we were like i said it's an arts and music dorm and we were like blessed to live in a place with like a professional studio in the basement janelle orkerton was the music director at the time and we played a show in Allen Hall with some of our friends. She was at the show. She emailed us a while after that and said, you guys get, what, like an hour and a half in the studio free of charge? We just want to teach some students, like, the process. We want to use the room because I think she was new that year. They, they, she hadn't had a project yet. Everyone else who had that opportunity recorded a single and we were like, nope, EP. If I can kind of derail the conversation a little bit. 
<laughs> so the initial show that we played there is kind of the the impetus for some of this was mm-hmm. you know, there's so many bands in Allen Hall. There were so mm-hmm. many bands there at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like there's such a community of artistic people there, like all using sharing the same practice space in Allen Hall and living on the same floors and <laughs> eating dinner together. We made like Excel spreadsheets so we could like <laughs> share the drum sets basically. So the idea of that show was let's take a bunch of the, our favorite Allen Hall bands. Like who else played at that show? Did Daisy, Daisy Chain. Chain, Dumb Down, Venus, Venus played, Overdrive, Venus, yeah. yeah. All those bands are people who lived in Allen Hall and were part, kind of a part of that scene. Like it's like a subset of a scene. It's like a scene within a scene. Yeah. Of like mm-hmm. the Shamban music scene and the student mm. scene and then specifically the Allen Hall scene. So the, the idea of that show is kind of memorial, like. To didn't draw attention. I'm sorry. I'm- no, I interrupted. But didn't we want to make it like a battle of the bands? And then Laura said, "No, you can. You guys can like do a cuddle. Like we're not gonna have people fighting in Allen Hall." The bands. Yeah. <laughs> cuddle. Puddle. I think it was Sean's idea to. It do was the Sean's show. idea. Yeah, our friend Sean. Shout who's out also Sean. roommates of Will from Daisy Chain. Shout out Daisy Chain. <laughs> yeah. So Sean, I think Sean, as he was very in on the scene, was like, "Let's do a show," because yeah. he was at the time like the student like activities coordinator or something. So we did that show. And then kind of recording, I think we went into it with the same mindset of like, this is not only our own music or our own expression, it's also kind of a tribute to this community and this very like ephemeral scene that we have. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it and Janelle had like proposed it was basically like you guys can record a single and we asked how much time we had and we had like an hour and a half as I mentioned earlier we had just come off playing like a month of shows which was like crazy for a band that young we had formed in September and we recorded in October not October it was in the spring anyway so it was like a crazy turnaround for us to like form the band second semester for us was like two months of straight shows it was crazy and like ava said it was like a very ephemeral feeling and i think we were just really happy for an opportunity to capture that like time and space in a bottle yeah Mm -hmm. like that's what the ep is for me is like me too that's how we sounded when we were playing those shows we managed to capture it on tape and here it is yeah yeah because we did record all of it live like all the Mm -hmm. vocals you hear everything there were, I think, a few overdubs, but, like, 99% of it was live on the floor. And yeah. most of it was, like, take one or two, Yeah. Honestly. Thank you for doing that, because I really want people to get away from the recording reluctance. Like, mm-hmm. don't, be, don't be afraid of that initial, maybe possible terrible mm. start. Because I think, you know, one, even if, I mean, granted, please share it with people, but even if you just keep it for yourself, just to know where you started and then where you've ended up. There's a lot of things in life that let us know that we've progressed. And unfortunately, with like music, since it's a very, you know, temporary thing, yeah. it can just drop off and then you don't have that reference point anymore. I think that recording is kind of interesting in that it's both like creative and also kind of journalistic at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's like, it's, it's like a Hemingway book or it's like, like a John <laughs> Hersey book of like, it's, you're, it's documenting a thing and you're trying to record in such a way that you document something that's real yeah like writing in the most clear language like if you're Hemingway you're writing with like no for sale no adjectives or whatever or, because you're trying yeah. to be journalistic and you're evoking those terms and you're also at the same time trying to channel something else in the process of recording and make a statement artistically yeah and it's kind of the the unification of those two like ideas i would love to reiterate just how grateful I am that we got to record at that time. Yeah, that um, studio sounds good. It's a good sounding it's, room. It's a beautiful studio. They had Ava behind like the p- plexiglass, like yeah. drummer barrier, and I was like, I walked in and I was there, and I was like, okay, we're this is like real. This is real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To go back to that recording reluctance you mentioned, one of my old bands, we never put anything out because there is so much pressure to like make it good if it had to exist it had to be perfect and that's not something Mm. i adhere to i'm just also really glad like the three of us agree on that too was like it is what it is and i think art is art and it's good there's never a pressure for something to be perfect yeah yeah so I'm, i'm really glad we all just jumped on the opportunity and like for the first thing for us to like publish that's like crazy good i'm like so so happy with it I'm happy with it. I 
I sort of wanted to, to mention, it's like, because you said art doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. You don't have to keep revising and revising and revising to get this polished product and all that. I was maybe a bit worried to put this self-titled moniker on our EP because I was like, all right, I know our EP is how we sounded live in the studio, but, you know, if we work on something bigger, maybe... There's one guitar in your left ear, one guitar in your right ear. Ava's playing four different percussion instruments. Like The orange. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Lou's playing the Fender Rhodes or something. Who knows? But like by then, I realized like this is just a beautiful time capsule we've created for ourselves and anybody else who wants to stop by and listen, who, yeah. who wants to spend their time with us and see, hey, how did these folks sound in May of 2022 or 2023? <laughs> I think being vulnerable in art is very important mm-hmm. and imperfection is part of that. Like I think that all my favorite albums are so imperfect. Like mm-hmm. you can hear them making mistakes on the record and like that's how it should be. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not yeah. if you're not making mistakes, you're not being vulnerable. For me, art is like you're creating the feeling of what you feel in the moment, you know? You might be mulling over it a little bit. I'm an artist, I paint, I draw, I, I make music. And for me, it's always just like this emotion right now, get it out. And that's art. And like to, to make it perfect is like kind of counterintuitive for me. I agree. I'm yeah. not creating something for y'all to consume. I'm creating something to share. I thought I would just kind of mention what I thought was my favorite part of the song. And then I'm going to kind of turn it over to everyone to offer their favorite part of the song. You know, for me, there's something about the second verse that I think that that's that's kind of the downturn, right? Like, I I think that first line of, if I was thinking, I would have written down her magic words, you know, and I think couple that with, is the magic in her or what she said? This is part of one of the reasons that I was thinking of it as like a dream is because like that, that thing where, I don't know if anyone else here does this, but it's like, oh my God, I wrote the perfect song. It was so beautiful and you can't even remember... Yeah. anything about it <laughs> and it's like you know just this thing where it's just this free-flowing thing out of you and if you're imagining this whole thing connecting with this person and they know these magic words and you know as soon as you wake up they're all gone but you remember that those magic words were like everything mm-hmm. so i don't know i just uh, there's something about that concept that it lands it lands well so that's just my favorite part ava do you have a favorite part of the song i'm glad you got to me first because i want to say this before <laughs> I, anyone else says it but i really like the part where Lou screams ah! yes yeah i don't even know where it is in the song but this that scream is like i love it i don't know it's good vibes at I, the end of the first chorus <laughs> okay and the second do you, i scream twice i don't remember one of them's louder than the other one of them is way louder than oh, the other okay okay because yeah. okay. okay. the second time i think janelle orkton was like looking at me and she was like wagging her finger or something <laughs> Um, I didn't take enough... My- <laughs> you said you wouldn't scream on this song. <laughs> I, I did tell her I scrumped. I just... Uh, I did not move as far back as I thought. But Ava, I'm also really glad you said that, because I was thinking, I'm like, what if someone says this before me? My only fun fact from that show Ava was talking about at Allen Hall, we got a live recording out of that, and that's on SoundCloud? It's on Bandcamp. It's on Bandcamp. Yeah. It's the... Isn't it the Blue Frog? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the Blue Frog. Yeah. That's I mean, a whole sorry other story. If I said that's, that, but that's, that's a, a com- Totally separate story. Complete side tangent. I'm glad someone <laughs> asked about it. We're not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> we can spend three minutes on frogs and that's it. Um, <laughs> but on that live recording, I'm, I'm doing the same scream on it. And I showed that to my dad after we recorded it. And he thought it was our friend and my roommate, Wolfie. Professional screamer. He was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's your friend Wolfie screaming. I'm like, no, no, that's me. No, I I love screaming on it. Like I said, this was like our third song we wrote and I knew I wanted to take part in like the vocal aspect of songwriting and in my previous bands, I never had a chance. Mm. So that was just me being like, you're letting me scream? And then... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important an important thing about how we do things in this band is that it's never like, oh, that's not something you do. Everyone brings in songs. Every everyone has sung in shows before and could sing if they wanted to. You know, like everyone is making art for things. Everyone's like posting on our social media. Like it's very like, oh, if you want to do that, you can do it. I don't really care. We don't yeah. care if it's like yeah. like it's not institutionalized. We don't have yes. like lines that we have to like st- like boxes yeah. we stay in. Like it's not like, oh, you're the songwriter. You're the social media manager. Yeah. Well, I don't know, whatever else. Like you're not the drummer. You're a third of the project. 
you're not the bassist, you're a third of the project. I'm not the guitarist, I'm the third of the project. Yeah. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. Which is why all three of us are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, you know, you know. Uh, Thank you for uh, letting all three of us come sure. into your yeah, space. Because it's a I mean, pleasure. If, if it fits, you know, it sits. If we fit, right. we sit. Yeah, we're it's all nice. very adamant that it's like a, a, a triangle, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. not. it's not a you know obtuse triangle where mm. one side's like sticking out front more i feel like a lot of people assume that like the the tall guy with the long hair that sings and plays guitar at the same time wow is like some sort of leader or some sort of i write the more songs or the better songs or whatever but it's like no like i want these people to like do more songwriting than me I, I like i look up to them they're cooler to me than anything i'll ever make you if know we had like an ideal setup we're all just like in a line yeah <laughs> yeah we've we've joked about that before an uh, ideal stage setup is all of us in separate rooms all with every instrument imaginable and we just choose what we want to play at that moment that'd be too much for me <laughs> owen what's your favorite part of the song the rhythm section of the song i don't mean to say that as like a deductive way of, of referring to the bass and drums on the song but when i come in and i have just like these lyrics in this guitar it's all about what am i gonna be like sitting on top of today like how comfy is this chair gonna be like audio wise you know the fact that Ava and Lou are like giving it their all for the entire song. It's like Lou sounds exactly like Lou does. You sound like you on that song. You sound very new wavy. You sound like how you look in a way. Ava, you sound how you look in a way. You're just blasting it. It rocks. It rocks. And I don't know if that's like, you can disagree with me on that, but I think it's a very good representation of what you two add to the sound of everything, your influences and all that. You love like you know sonic youth and all these loud musicians but like your drumming chops really come from like listening to people who care about how many times they let those ghost notes ring out when they hit the snare like get really detailed and things (laughs) like that (laughs) so it's just really nice to hear how both of you brought your personality into the song it was definitely like the most like freedom we had had at that point to write something and for me, it was totally just like, I get to write whatever I want now. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I chose. It's like, this is my favorite thing to do. Yeah, let's be Peter Hook today. Yeah. Just today, not every day. <laughs> my last and final question of the section. No. There's still two more. So okay, you get yeah. to be excited about that. Why did you pick this song to be the favorite song that you wanted to talk about today? Like, I suggested it when we were talking about it. And my reason for suggesting it was because I think it was... Of the songs on the EP, the most collaborative. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's the most, like, we all went into it and added our part. And I think that kind of, in, like, we were already talking about, kind of embodies our creative practice as a band. Yes. Of, it is, like, all of us coming in from our different, like, experiences and lives yes. and, like, musical backgrounds and putting that together and doing something different than any of us are able to make individually. And I think of, the, of all the songs on the EP, it best exemplifies kind of that ideal. Ava suggested it, and once she said it, I was like, "Yeah, no, that's that's like the obvious choice." I have nothing to add except to like repeat what she said. It's like all of the EP is like a refractor song that Romantica played, um, because that's just you know we were a brand new like baby band. None of us had like songs waiting around to be played, so we just kind of borrowed from Refractor. Um, I think the Keep It Nice album. Right? Uh, I think that that was the case for Tales from Neptune, but that was before that was before we started working on it collaboratively um, <laughs> around the same time that I started being like, hey, maybe this is more than the spacey little recording yeah. on the tape machine. But like out of out Parallel of all evolution the evolution or whatever. Yeah. Something out of all like the that. songs that like we had been playing at the time, that was the most the one we took the most like creative freedom with. Yes. More representative of all of you. Yeah. yeah. I think we were thinking about doing, you know, one of the songs we, like, all wrote together. But, you know, we want to show off the EP, too. This is, like, the song we open with pretty much all the time. That's pretty, like, characteristic of us. Is you get on stage, you hear the bound of the song. And then the rest of the, whatever, 45 minutes, like, you get Romantica. And Yeah. yeah. Sure. We want to hit people hard. Yeah. Like, I think we all enjoy being loud, being uh-huh. heavy at times. Yeah. Not always. Not always. But a lot of, much of the time. Yeah. Sure. It's it's fun to just kind of like 
hit people with a lot of sound. And it's it's fun to like aggressive. start by like smacking them in the face. <laughs> it's like huh. you're in the romantic like world now. Like you've entered <laughs> our our realm. No, no, like holding your hand through the door. It's like yeah, you're falling in a pit. Yeah, and the pit is Neptune. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So... Ava, what is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? I think for, for me specifically, and also for the band as a unit, The Barn, which is a mm. DIY venue in Urbana, has been really important to us. So okay. shout out The Barn. We, we played our first our like kind of breakthrough show there Yeah, yeah. About, about a year ago. It was like January 2023. Like we'd played some shows before that, but they were all in like very silly locations that no one really went to. Like one of them was on the third floor of the Atlanta Union. <laughs> yeah, shut down because Daisy Chain was too loud. Yeah, yeah, oh. like things like that. And this was our first show where like we played there, and like people kind of figured out who we were. And but mm-hmm. getting other shows booked from there was a much more straightforward process yeah. from having figured out kind of that first house show. Yeah, and also they're just lovely people. They do a good job. They they're always very kind and respectful. It's like people who know how to run a, a very good show. You you can tell yes. they're theater tech guys. Yeah. Because they yes. run such a tight show and I always respect them for it. So, Owen, do you have a favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? Well, as Ava said, my favorite DIY venue is The Barn because those folks have just been so nice. And they also, as Ava said, they know how to run a good show, which goes a long way when everybody's sort of running around like a chicken with their head cut off and things. It helps when people are both kind and prompt Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. to running a show. Because a lot of people that are kind when it comes to running a show, the show will end up running behind a little bit. A lot of people who are prompt will seem a little mean, and then you end up making people like us a little bit like antsy and things. But they're right down the middle. They're great. As for a non-DIY venue, Rose Bowl, like we just played there. We worked with a lovely sound person, Kenna, and they're just the, Kenna. the, the yeah. best. Kenna is also in Sweet Milk. You should get Sweet Milk on this podcast. I love Sweet Milk. Yeah, we love Sweet Milk um, so much. It's episode 13. Oh, what? what? Not Sweet Milk, but... Kenna. Oh, it's Kenna Van yeah. this podcast. Oh, that rocks. We're gonna, we're we gonna love them love so much. Up. They're the coolest. They're yeah, yeah. amazing sound engineer, amazing person, amazing guitarist. Very cool. Heck Very yeah. cool, yeah. Shout out Rose Bowl. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to... Yeah, but, but No, you're good. No, they, they've been on the show, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go hunt that down, actually. Yes, we're going to go yeah. listen to Drive it. Drive back. Yeah. What Excellent. does Kenna have to say? And the, that was uh, 2019. So, Lou, yeah. do you have a favorite venue yeah, these two like hit everything I wanted oh. to hit, but I do <laughs> like I I was thinking about the Rose Bowl because every time we play there, it's really relieving and really refreshing to pull up to a show. All you need is like like Ava brings her breakables, I bring my guitar, and that's like it, right? Mm. I I don't play a guitar, I play a bass. Why did I say that? <laughs> it's it's a bass guitar. <laughs> it's a bass guitar. I can't pretend to be a guitarist, and people are going to ask me to play. It's, it's really refreshing to just pull up. You know they have everything you need to run a tight show they have the people you need to run a tight show 
And it's also just really cool to, like, be on a real stage and, like, there are just normal people hanging around. We got some, like, middle-aged men, like, dancing to our songs, and I was like, this has never happened even in my imagination. Yes. Right. And, like, they were they were enjoying it, and I'm like, you know, we, you, you meet different people. Yeah. But to give an answer that wasn't already said, I'd have to throw in the mirror. You know, maybe I shouldn't, like, dox myself. I live close to them. But a lot of those guys who run the mirror were also the guys in Stancheck. And mm. we played with them at the Rose Bowl, like, you know, two days ago. Yeah. They're just so nice to us. They make such good music. I'm, like, such yeah. a huge fan mm. of them. That's also how we got a couple of shows we got is that these guys were actually just, just fans of ours. Mm. And they asked us to play with them. And, like, I felt like they, like, dragged us up the top of the stairs you know they're very supportive they're very professional mm -hmm. they're really nice guys and they also run a tight show like mm -hmm. we love playing at the mirror we played like two or three times yeah. this semester it has the best backline drum kit of any sh any <laughs> any venue i've ever played at. The those drums were tuned so nice i have yeah. to also put like an asterisk in there the mirror has like changed locations like three different times so yeah. it used to be on nevada street it used to be on nevada on where i live on nevada but all of us mean like the current mirror like yeah the gotcha. mirror as of 2023 the spirit of the people who run it is i would imagine the same the, yeah this is going to be a bit of a digression also but i would say just in general as much as those are the ones we shout out just the west urbana house show scene in yes. general has so many lovely venues that Lou mentioned living near the mirror. I also live in West Urbana, like a little bit further south. I, I live within arm li arm's length of the forest, who I also love. We both live pretty near the powder room. Just There's just a wealth of spice excellent rack. DIY. Spice rack. How could I forget the spice rack? We love those guys. Yes. Yeah. Also stand check, guys. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love the spice rack. We, I live within it. We both live and owe to a lesser extent because you live in Champaign. But we all live within arms. Yeah, you're 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 God's strongest soldier for I that. Know, it's yeah, suffering. yeah. But we live within arm's length of so many lovely venues, so many lovely people. Yeah, we're very grateful cool. for that. It's definitely, uh, I mean, a deciding, not a deciding factor, but it's like a huge factor in like how I view music. Is like there's all of these people around us putting on shows constantly making music constantly there's never ever any pressure even if they don't know you it's very supportive to be like i am also here in this mm -hmm. moment making music yeah just like all these other people it's kind of a, a honor you know i'm just gonna throw in stanchik that's episode 101 romantica that's us what do you think makes a good music scene this question is kind of funny to me because i live with daisy chain a band a very good band i might add and they just got a documentary made about them by a, another friend and that was like a question straight from the documentary i was listening to them in that documentary answer it and also when they recorded it i was on the other side of a door because i live in the same house and like that's just something i've been thinking of for a while and like there's a lot of factors i think and it's kind of hard to list them all for me i think it really just boils down to like the people you know, I think a lot of at least the opportunities we've had is really just because we have met some very kind and very sincere people who yeah. are genuine fans of our music. And I like can't believe that my roommate mentioned he's like, there's less people. It's like easier just to like even play a show because there's less people asking to play the same show. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think it just comes down to like everyone here knows each other and they all yeah respect each other i think urbana has a critical mass of people yeah <laughs> such that there's enough people there's like people who can go to shows like you can have multiple shows in the same night and they'll both be totally crowded basements mm -hmm. you know but also few enough people that everyone knows each other yeah, yeah. like we've They're been ridiculous. unpacking this recently that it's literally impossible to meet a new person yeah like i go on hinge and whoever i match with knows all my friends <laughs> it's horrible oh. haunts me i mean i think you know, we've experienced that, but we've also experienced, like, I think it creates a lot of opportunity for people who maybe would not do this. Exactly. You yeah. know, like, like you can go to a show and it will be someone from your, like, statistics class playing. That, like, gets you thinking and you're like, I know what they do during the day. Like, mm -hmm. they're not doing this 24-7. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, like, at least for me, when I was a freshman, I didn't even know these guys yet. For me, that was the thing that was, like, really encouraging. We're all in the same boat right now. We're all choosing to do this. You know, like if you're in Chicago, it's like these people, this is their careers. And that puts a lot of pressure on it. Because if you try and get out there, it's like, you know, I'm not a 50-year-old man who's been playing guitar for like 
45 years and I, you know, I have a day job I have to do. I have to go to school. I have to get my degree. And it's like, you start to get in your own head of like, there's all these barriers. And I feel like in Urbana-Champaign, there's people do a lot to tear down those barriers. I also think almost conversely, I think institutional knowledge is very important. Mm. And I think that the thing that differentiates Urbana from other DIY scenes in central Illinois and like other college scenes throughout the Midwest is there's a lot more people who have been doing venues for a few years yeah who have who know how to run a good show an efficient show they know how to run sound they know how to keep the crowd safe yeah yes. you know and and they've had they're very willing to pass that knowledge down and there's bands that have been around for a few years who know like how to play a good show who yeah. are willing to pass that knowledge down like i've talked to bands who are from bloomington or from other other cities and they're like oh there's so many good venues here there's so many like good bands because i think people are willing to pass down that knowledge that's definitely a thing because like i live right next to the american football house i have to walk by that like every day yeah and it's like urbana you cannot deny urbana has a history of music right Um, yeah you know my dad has a joke he grew up in canada he's like what else do you do in the winter besides like drink and play music inside (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and that's like true here too like Mm, what do you do besides be creative i think it just so happens that there's a lot of young people living in an area with a history of good music and an encouragement of each other to also create because there's kind of the thing of when you're figuring out how to play a show you go text your one friend who knows how it works and it's like (laughs) hey like what do i bring to this show what time should i show up yeah you know like i think we had that those conversations with some of our friends when we were trying to figure out how to play shows ironically i had friends texting me after we did like two shows and they were like tell me how you did it and i'm yeah. like you you know we're figuring this out together but yeah, like, like we're all uh-huh. in the ride yeah like that's where i was going with that like even like last week i played a show at the barn and most of the other bands in that bill were like a little bit newer than like that, that show was with venus overdrive but that was we're generally a bit newer than either romantic or venus overdrive and they were one of the people in the other bands was texting me like hey like what time should i show up my drummer wants to know what to bring like what should i wear yeah. like just asking for kind of miscellaneous advice and that's just how it is i don't know yeah i mean we're all like very open with that quote-unquote knowledge you know mm. yeah it's like like if my friend texts me and he's like what kind of amp do i need to get to play a good house show i'm like sharing every single amp i've ever seen at a house show i'm like mm. listing off every kind of model i've ever known because they're your friends and you want them to be successful and even if you don't know them they probably know your music you know that's a connection in and of itself there's a part of the scene that kind of is overlooked and it's like the people who aren't in the bands but who are in the scene yes they're the people going to the shows they're the people organizing the shows they're the people who just own a house that they let people over on for a night. There's just also this like openness for them to say like, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to give you space to do that. Cause I right. don't think we would have had some of the shows we had, if not people who aren't even musicians, who aren't even like fans of local music. They just say, I want live music yeah. and they create opportunities to create that. Definitely being open to making a space for people to, you know, (laughs) how should I say this? Uh, Giving people the opportunity to fail, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense too. Mm -hmm. Like, how hard is it to get into, normally, like to get into any kind of scene? And we're not just talking about music, but like if you want to learn and see other people perform or be part of a performance, what is that barrier? And I feel like a lot of the house shows around here manage to lower that barrier so that you get a lot of people that are able to be at a house show either watching or performing or even hosting it's kind of like when you're 14 years old you're trying to learn how to play an instrument and you're gonna you're gonna sound so bad for so long (laughs) right and then it's like your parents giving you like the basement or the garage or like a closet and they're like go for it you know you have to like provide a space and I always, I always said this, you have to suck before you can be mm-hmm. good. There's a lot of openness to bands being like, I haven't heard of you. Someone I know knows you. Come play a show. You don't have to be good to play a house show in your band. <laughs> yes. I think that's the best thing about it. Like, you can suck. You can sound so bad and you can still play a show. And, and people probably will still keep like playing it. Shows and people will still like it. Yeah. And that's the blessing of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a, a wanting to make music. Yeah. Like, it's about the creation of the art. Yeah. More so um, than a judgment of whether the art is good or whether it aligns to certain values or whether you're good enough at your instrument. I'd also like to to point out that like 
a lot of the venues we listed off make safety a huge priority. Yes. Mm. And like, I'm a five foot two, like, young woman. If I'm like in a house that's like shoulder to shoulder with people, I'm. I'm probably going to like fall over and get trampled, you know? Right. And so many of these shows I've seen, the people running it, they have their phone numbers up on like posted on the wall. They're wearing like bright colors or like glowy things. So you can easily like pull them over and be like, hey, so many places we've played at have like removed people who have been making other people uncomfortable. It's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of desire to make everyone feel safe and like want to be there i think that there is unfortunately a common power dynamic in diy music not just here but everywhere where most of the bands playing are like straight white men Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to describe it (laughs) and most of the fans are not straight white men like overwhelmingly i feel like our fans are like women and queer people someone tell our spotify to represent that (laughs) spotify's like 57 percent male Maybe I'm telling myself that to no, make myself no, no, no. feel better. I, that, was, that was me making a joke <laughs> no, no, on like, no, Spotify good. algorithm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like the people who go to our shows are broadly... I mean, they're our friends, you yeah. know? They're yeah. They're people like us. Yeah. Yeah. Places like the Forest and places like the Rose Bowl. It's like, you don't need to like know someone to play there. You need to make music and you need to be passionate about your music. And then lo and behold, you have like an awesome opportunity to share that music. My two key takeaways from a year in the scene or so are one is that you got to pretend that this is more serious than it is to some extent. Have fun, obviously, <laughs> but secret part of it, I feel in, in my opinion is sort of not lying to yourself, not pretending, but like looking up to how do the bigger bands do this Mm -hmm. and just doing that to less people like (laughs) you can be formal and still be a small band you can be a punk band that wants to break their own shit on stage as long as you're respectful as you're trying to set up the show and all that and that's very important and i think that this scene has a lot of people like that yeah another rule and there's there's not and there's not people in the scene like this but it's like just don't just don't be pricks guys it's like we can just we can just all have fun people can suck if they're on stage people can blow your mind if you're on if they're on stage overwhelmingly they do blow our minds yeah 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 yeah. i can't come up with the last time i saw a bad band here to be fair yeah (laughs) i think like you said it it helps that a lot of people in the scene music is serious to them you know yes it's not a party you know a lot of the venues we listed they're there to put a show on for the diy scene almost to work out of that sort of a lot of houses with music they get lumped under this umbrella of like oh it's a house party you want to go and drink seven pbrs for eight dollars and throw up on the front lawn and not pay attention to the music it's like no all it's i i feel very fortunate that the scene here just seems to be like yeah let's have a good show let's keep people safe yeah you know yeah. I, I think I gave a pre- like a, a warning earlier in the episode where I'm I'm just cynical, right? I'm I'm critical. CW, we are nothing if not haters. <laughs> we are sad <laughs> bastards, and we have something to say. Yeah, that would be my only complaint. Is that sometimes I feel like the people who go to shows they're treating it as a party, mm-hmm. and you know I have to like retreat from that a little bit because mm-hmm. they're still there enjoying music. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think the venues giving us a space like you said to just create music is a huge opportunity in and of itself and it's it definitely is like a blessing even that so many people are engaging with it you know i we've played very few shows where like no one is there and i think that's just a credit to the diy scene Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details 
on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Romantica, feel free to jump forward. I'm wondering, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? Simple joys. I think that there's honestly a lot of things that we just don't appreciate on a day-to-day basis that are Mm. worth appreciating. And one of my favorites recently is um just looking at old shit like like literal no oh, that's okay. your, that's I mean, we have like a manure your pile over there if you want to <laughs> <laughs> it's not old though ah man i'll go for a little dive no nah, i'm just kidding i recently took a little excursion to a jane adams bookstore mm. in champagne uh, so ever since i was around four years old as as soon as i could walk alongside him and keep pace my dad would always think it's th- he thought it was important for me to follow him to the record store every time he went that gave me sort of an appreciation for just loving these old things, these these documents, really, of, of, of history and things like that. And how you can just crack them open and put them on your turntable or put them on your desk to read them. And just the appreciation of these things that people have created. The little things that people tend to ignore, almost. Like... Somebody had to write those liner notes about that 1958 jazz album that you're picking up for a couple dollars. And just as somebody had to write whatever, like, poetry, book, and all that, it's just the appreciation of the frequently ignored mm-hmm. is something that's been bringing me a lot of joy recently. And on my trip to Jane Adams, I bought just some poetry books that I hadn't heard of and flipping through these, not even reading them in a traditional sense, but even skimming them has brought me a lot of just a lot of appreciation for those types of things. The the way the pages feel, the way that a font is on a page, just those little things that make your brain feel good, I say. Hmm. People need to just focus more on embracing these things, I think. This one's kind of a cop-out because it basically is music, but just creating, you know? While we were like talking in this podcast about like art being a reflection of an ephemeral like time or space or emotion or I don't know. I think just the simple act of creation is very human and it's kind of difficult to do now. I'm in school right now. Every single thing we do is through a screen and it's a very difficult thing to like feel real sometimes and i think creation Mm. is a very simple solution to that i make art i make things i love to crochet i love to give little gifts to my friends that i make and it's a very a very wonderful thing to me because it's like i want to make this space i live in better i want to make it more reflective of me i want to be a part of something beyond the voices like in my head that made me sound crazy there's no voices in my yeah. head you know the thoughts bouncing around in there's you a, we all have voices we all have voices just depend right? on how it's you know <laughs> what they're saying yeah. <laughs> i promise i'm sane but it's a very easy way to feel a part of something and to feel in control of like yourself you know mm-hmm. it i like to think that it's a reflection of both you and your surroundings of like this is what I see, this is what I process, this is what comes out of it. And even something as simple as, like, I'm gonna make myself a blanket that I will use at night is significant. And, you know, silly little doodles that you, like, do on your friend's notebook, that's significant. It's so broad, which is why I said it's kind of a cop-out. But I think it's equally as important as it is broad. Because what are we meant to do besides create you know i think it's an easy way to share an experience with someone else i really like what you're saying because it's like those creating objects to just enjoy and for other people to enjoy a lot of people will see something in a store and it's just sort of it serves its purpose but you can take joy in the love that is inevitably inside of an object yeah. that somebody makes for you you can it's, you can feel it you know when mm-hmm. something was 
crafted with love. Yes. It's it's significant. Yeah, because if I go to Walmart and I pay $20 for a blanket to keep myself warm and it doesn't keep me warm, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> but if I but if I get a blanket from my little sister or somebody like that, I'm going to think, well, even if it doesn't perfectly serve its function in this moment, what I can take joy in is the is the uh, maybe the blanket was too on the nose for this, but the warmth that I'm filled yeah. with, you know, from just having this in my hands. I'm saying that literally because, like, before picking these guys up, I was going at it. <laughs> I, I, uh -huh. I love creating blankets. I, I, they're, they take so long, and I love it. And, and crocheted. Yes. You're saying crocheted blankets. I have wow. one on my bed currently that I... And it's a king size. Yes. I'm just... Is it... Wait, no. It's a queen. Oh, it's... Oh, jeez. Okay. And yeah. I'm making one right now. It's it's really heavy. I like it. <laughs> that sounds very time-consuming. I'm kind of insane. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I get such like a, like a zap of like happy hormones when I'm like making something. Huh. <laughs> I think if we're being intelligent and insightful, because you guys actually came up with good answers so now i have to you can say i can't Frappuccino. just be like oh my dog i have to find something actually cool i was gonna Your say my cats, cats and yeah. then owen was like simple joys in life no i'm sorry i didn't mean to make it all pretentious yeah. and art nerdy well i was gonna say it was like finding connection with people through things that don't matter oh yeah connecting with someone through like playing a really stupid song or connecting th with someone through like i don't know like gossip or like, I love connecting that. with someone through like any number of things that aren't actually important in of themselves but they're important when they're kind of a vector for people to to find community i adore that huh. and i think that's kind of also the intent of what we do as a band not to like tie it back around to music sure. but i think that creating music it's like what we were saying earlier but you have to act like it's more important than it is because even if it's not important in the sense of like no one cares what chord we played at one point in the song or like what that specific drum fill is it ultimately is very impactful because of the community that it creates and hmm. the memories that it creates and let's just i don't know it's it, it goes beyond what any one of us does individually and i think that that's important to remember i literally have no follow-up questions romantica lou owen ava thank you so much for being on the show and making the trip all the way out here and Yay. I thank just, you. I really yeah. appreciate it. So we appreciate it too. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Lou. And I'm Owen. This is Ava of Romantica. Reminding you. Great, great music, music is, is out, out there. there. Go, Go find, find it where you, you live. live. actually come up to me a lot after our show then they're always like what what, what the fuck that? was that <laughs> sounds so cool Yay. that's a wrap champagne is also a band you almost have an npr voice it's so good I, I did tell her I scrumped. I just... <laughs>